0: Letter from Jamie Lynn. Hi, y'all. I'd like to start by thanking you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the story and events that make up my life so far. Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton.
1: And I'm Madison Malone Kircher. You're listening to IcyMI. In case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture.
2: It has come for us. The no tap apology is imminent. <laughs> we made some mistakes. We fucked up. I know it's shocking. <laughs> we are not perfect. Before we
1: get into today's show, we do need to address just a couple errors from our episode on Wednesday.
2: We incorrectly stated that TikTok is used in the Billboard Hot 100 chart calculations. We uh, also misnamed the song Surface Pressure, sung by Louisa, who is the middle sister and not the oldest. We regret these errors. We will never make a mistake ever again.
1: You might say we cracked uh, under pressure. Ding, 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 ding. But seriously, we do regret the errors and we apologize. And uh, speaking of unforced errors, one thing the Internet cannot stop talking about right now is Kanye West's new girlfriend, Julia Fox. Or should I say Julia Fox's new boyfriend, Kanye West?
2: It really is unclear who exactly is gaining more from this relationship. I also feel I must disclose here that up until pretty recently, I was conflating Alexa Demi and Julia Fox in my head. They're not the same person. Did you not see Uncut Gems? I did see Uncut Gems. Oh. I am watching Euphoria. I am fully aware of both of these women. I, I cannot explain to you. They just hold the same space in my head like um, Evangeline Lily and the other woman who looks exactly like her.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, Julia Fox is an actress and model whose first film role was in the 2019 film Uncut Gems, which is probably... If you know her from anything, you're going to know her from that. I know her from her Instagram, where I follow. She's very hot.
2: That's pretty much all you can say about Julia Fox, be completely honest. She's hot. She was in Uncut Gems. And now she's dating Kanye West. They apparently met on New Year's Eve in Miami. And from there, sparks flew fireworks went off, they went and saw slave play in New York, which Not is slave play, a metaphor, an allegory that we don't have the time to get into here.
1: This past week, they are the talk of the town because of their appearances over at Paris Fashion Week. There were matching outfits. Uh, Julia had this very intense eye makeup, like chunks of black, extremely thick. Eyeliner almost seems wrong. It's It's far thicker than eyeliner. It basically made her look like a fashion raccoon.
2: People are speculating because Kanye, who we haven't said yet, is now known as Ye, had a hand in both her makeup and her styling throughout Fashion Week and was the mastermind behind their matching denim ensembles. It does make sense that now that Kanye West, sorry, Ye West no longer has access to Kim Kardashian as his human Barbie doll, he needed another one.
1: I feel like we have to take a second to describe the all-denim outfits a little bit more in detail. When we say all-denim, we mean head-to-toe, shoes, denim, Madonna-style, cone bra. Like, this is a, a joutfit, a jean outfit.
2: I, I really feel like the cone bra made of denim is the most important thing here, mostly because I'm fascinated by the construction element of it. What exactly is in there? Secrets? Uh, definitely lies. <laughs> But it really, again, raises the question of who exactly is benefiting the most here?
1: Who's using who? Uh, The answer is it doesn't actually matter because they're using each other to to use us. This is just a ploy for personal clout. And I'm enjoying it. Lots of denim.
2: I feel like everyone's chafing in there. But you know what? Love is love. And we love a mutually beneficial symbiotic relationship. (laughs) Yeah, Kanye West, clownfish.
1: Speaking though of all denim ensembles, Britney Spears back in the
2: news.
0: Oh, baby, I again. I your heart.
2: My queen is feuding with her sister, Jamie Lynn Spears.
1: Now that she's no longer in her conservatorship, Britney Spears has been posting up a, uh, a little storm lately, and it's refreshing, I'd say, to see her posts and know that she's posting them because she wants to and not for any other reason. Also, let's be honest, the posts are wild, which doesn't hurt either.
2: On the weekend of January 15th, she took to Twitter to post a series of Notes app screenshots publicly confronting her sister about a press tour that Jamie Lynn is currently on promoting her new book, things I should have said claiming that Jamie Lynn is spreading lies about her in the press so we took a minute or several as in six hours or more to get to the bottom of things by actually reading this book
1: we read the book so you don't have to and truly you can thank us later after the break we'll be back to talk about Brittany and Jamie Lynn's relationship what exactly Jamie Lynn says in this book and on the press tour about Brittany And how this is just the latest installment in the first family of Pops internet feud.
2: More on the soap opera after the break. Rachel, I'm impressed.
1: We're going back in time to January 13th, a Thursday, when Britney posted this Notes app
2: attack. I mean, it definitely wasn't an apology, which I don't know, kind of a refreshing use of the Notes app. I appreciate that Britney is once again pioneering. I will say the attack seems yeah, harsh to me, given everything that Britney has gone through with her family. But she's definitely posting something.
1: In this post, Spears shares that she is currently suffering from a 104 degree fever and is in desperate need of some aleve. Uh, But then things take kind of a sharp turn at the end of the first screenshot when Britney says, or writes, I should say, looked at my phone and I see that my sister did her interview to promote her book. I watched it with a 104 degree fever, lol. And it was actually kind of nice to have a fever so high because I had to surrender to not caring. She goes on to talk about how her sister wasn't really around during the time Britney was in crisis some 15 years ago and is just using her, which Britney has accused her of doing for years. This time, she's accusing Jamie Lynn of using her to sell books. The interview Britney is referring to in this post is uh, Jamie Lynn on ABC News, which aired on Wednesday, January 12th. So the day before.
3: Do you worry
0: that by speaking your truth, that it will harm your relationships well nobody ever really considered me but (laughs) i think that everyone is allowed to say their truth
2: over the next two days britney posts even more screenshots just going in on jamie lynn i'm going to read from some of these these notes app screenshots they make um prolific use of both emojis and ellipses so i will be doing all the punctuation out loud jamie lynn Dot, dot, dot. I don't think your book, book emoji, is about me at all. Dot, dot, dot. I said some harsh things because you obviously hurt me by the things you are making up about me. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. I needed you. Dot, dot, dot. My family, my blood, blood drop emoji, and your support more than anything. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. You guys did absolutely nothing until, that was all caps, a year ago, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. I said something on Instagram and you and Brian showed up at the house, dot, 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 because of an Instagram post, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Uh,
1: one, the Oscar goes to, And two, it sounds like the Aleve really helped clear <laughs> Britney's mind. I,
2: too, feel that way after popping an Advil. The whole world opens back up.
1: The saga continued the following week on January 18th when Britney posted even more Notes app screenshots. Um, this is becoming a theme over on Instagram. Uh, truly, at this point, the Notes app should sponsor Britney. I want to see Britney at like an Apple keynote. You know, like there's Ooh, there's a collab opportunity
2: yes. here. Yes.
1: Oh, 100%. Interestingly enough, though, these Instagram Notes app screenshots, that really just doesn't roll off the tongue. Um, <laughs> they were later deleted by Britney. But because the Britney fandom is supportive aggressive very well trained in britney's uh post and delete tactics at this point these posts are all very easy to track down from britney spears fan accounts
2: in fact so easy that i don't actually follow britney spears on instagram i have nothing against her i just don't but i have seen every single one of these screenshots in the wild I don't need to follow her. Maybe that's why I don't follow her. I will find out about her organically. I don't need to be involved. You're leaving Britney alone. Exactly. If it's important, it's going to find me. Otherwise, let that woman live her life in peace. I mean, that's what I'm doing, but I do follow aggressively because I find it really (laughs) refreshing
1: to have such a constant and unmanaged stream of posts from Britney now that she is in control of her own feed because she's been, you know, removed from her conservatorship. Here's a recent fave of mine.
0: It's like an animal. This plant is an animal. Little pet. Oh, my God. Hi, animal. (laughs) It's supposed to go, hello, now. hey, what's going on to you? I feel like Alice in Wonderland talking to the flowers. That's
1: Brittany talking to a bouquet of flowers she received. If that sounds like I'm insulting her, I'm not. There are definitely some people who are concerned that Britney is not the most stable and that her social media posts reflect that, hence my need to defend that I do genuinely love this uh, this bouquet video. But what we're really seeing is a truer and more unvarnished version of Britney than she's been allowed to share in in years. And a lot of that quote unquote concern is, um, well, it's judgment coming from a different place, I think.
2: That place specifically is, I would say, classism. Obviously, Britney is... A billionaire? Billionaire? I have no idea how much one Britney Spears <laughs> is not a billionaire. Okay. <laughs> but she has a very lot of wealthy. money. She does. But she's also posting in a style that is very familiar to me as someone who grew up in the South. And the thing about Britney is she hasn't had access to her feeds for over a decade at this point. So her texting style is in some ways kind of preserved 10 years ago. Yeah. Just listen to this TikTok of a woman kind of posing as Britney's Southern translator. And think about how much more sense those posts make in this cadence. Jamie Lynn, I don't think your book is about me at all. I said some harsh things because you obviously hurt me by the things you are making up about me. When
0: I said only a scum person would make up things like that about someone, I could have sworn I said,
2: but you're not. But it doesn't make sense at all to me what you are saying. I think what people are reading as, like, unwell or unstable is actually just an extremely southern stream of consciousness, where I wouldn't be surprised if she was just using the voice-to-text function.
1: A cue that uh, maybe her sister should have taken while writing this book.
2: Oh, God, is it time to talk about the book? I was really hoping we could skip that.
1: Rachel, I read this book. I had to input it on the Notes app note I keep where I keep a track of the books I read. Book number three for the year is the Jamie Lynn Spears memoir. We're talking about it.
2: All right. Well, after the break, we'll be back with all the juicy bits, of which there are like five, from Jamie Lynn's memoir called... What's the name of it again? Fun Home by Jamie Lynn Spears. (laughs) If I Did It by Jamie Lynn Spears. (laughs) More alternate titles after the break.
1: Hello and welcome to any new listeners who have joined us for the first time today. We are so glad you're here. In case you, uh, missed it, our show comes out twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays, so be sure to check out our last episode from Wednesday, where we talk about how TikTok has helped two Encanto songs dominate the music charts. Yes, I'm talking about, we don't talk about Bruno, no, 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 no. All right. We are back with the Jamie Lynn Spears memoir, which is actually called Things I Should Have Said.
2: This book was so bad. I have never felt more like I was slogging through a book.
1: Never met a person who likes the phrase oddly enough more
2: than Jamie Lynn Spears. Oddly enough. I almost (laughs) wish it had been written by Jamie Lynn without. I mean, there's clearly a ghostwriter involved, which is maybe why it reads Like a transcript? Maybe it is just a transcript. (laughs) But that is the thing. There are some interesting details in here, and they get
1: lost. And Mm -hmm. this is obviously a book that was written with the understanding that people are largely only buying this book to learn about Britney. The back third is where most of that drama
2: resides. And despite the fact that Jamie Lynn and her publisher clearly know that we're all here for Britney, they hold so much of it And instead give us all these times where it reads like a book report on somebody's life rather than a personal narrative. It is the worst version of a
1: young person's memoir. You know, almost no one under the age of 40 should probably be writing a memoir where everything in Jamie Lynn's head is either this rosy colored version of the truth. So like. Oh my god, there's this one story she tells about parting ways with her sister on a private plane and it's like the day before Britney Spears goes off to Vegas and gets oh my you know, god, married yes. for 24 hours. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And apparently 13-year-old Jamie Lynn Spears like looks at her older sister, her 23, 24-year-old sister and goes, "No, don't no, you do something silly like marrying Jason." "Yeah, sure, Jan."
2: Sure. That was I read that part and I think I made a note in the Kindle app that just read "Sure, Jan." You know, or there are other parts that really do feel like
1: just a blatant attempt to stay in the good graces of the people in the business who provided, you know, Jamie Lynn's avenue to fame in the first place, namely Nickelodeon, where Jamie Lynn Spears was the star of Zoe 101, a show I actually really liked as a kid. It's kind of a bummer, though, to read how gentle Jamie Lynn is about her time with Nickelodeon. I wasn't Mm. expecting anything terribly shocking because, frankly, I'm not hoping ever to hear about a child star who had... A terrible traumatic experience, but the narrative does come off as though she's still hoping to like work for Nickelodeon in the future.
0: Whether in person or on social media, I'm constantly asked about a Zoe 101 reunion or reboot of the show. Zoe connected with fans in such a powerful way that it's as if they have to know
2: how she turns out as an adult. I'm actively working to bring Zoe back to the screen. It's giving Christy Carlson Romano energy.
1: When it comes to the Britney stuff, though, uh, the content is surprisingly sparse, even though Mm. uh, Britney gets name-checked 300 and some times in this book. Many of those stories are about how doting Britney was as a big sister during her early years. And she does share a little about what it was like to be Britney's little sister during Britney's crisis of the 2000s, but she jumps past a lot of the meat of that era in this book.
2: I will admit here that this is about when I checked out because I was like, okay, you're not going to talk about any of the stuff that happened in the 2000s. So what do I really care about here?
1: I'm very satisfied that you're admitting you didn't finish this book. It makes my suffering feel validated.
2: Because <laughs> what you missed out is a lot more time
1: in the book is then spent on Jamie Lynn Spears' teenage pregnancy and subsequent motherhood, which all sounded Terrible, and my God, being even remotely famous in the 2000s. What a nightmare. Uh, You know, her team encouraged her to get an abortion. They wanted her to remain this sidekick to Britney's global fame. Like, there are so many moments in this book where it's really clear that it was so difficult for Jamie Lynn growing up in the shadow of her sister and growing up in this family. But there's something about this retelling that just, like, no actual reckoning has happened. We actually wait until the second to last chapter of this book to get what anyone is actually picking up the book for. In chapter 13, titled My Testimony, Jamie Lynn finally gets into her memories of the establishment of the conservatorship in the years
0: that followed. The chapter I wish I never had to write. On June 23rd, 2021, my sister broke her silence in regard to the oppressive nature of her 2008 conservatorship. Throughout the weeks that followed... She had the media and internet world stage to speak freely, to share her truth. During a couple of her statements, she made sweeping allegations using the words like my family and those who should have helped. At no point did my sister lift the veil on what or who is truly responsible for her challenges.
2: She lays the blame squarely at her parents' feet, which makes sense because I... I think Jamie Lynn was about 16 or 17 when the conservatorship was established. And she was also importantly dealing with the pregnancy of her first child. She got pregnant at 16. So she was a teen mother and a child, raising a child. So it makes sense that she had nothing to do with the establishment of this and was kind of focused on her own life. But she then goes on to explain how hurt she feels by the attacks that Brittany has loved of her family, including her, in the past year or so, and there there feels again so much underdeveloped reckoning about all of this.
1: Yeah, I it it really is fascinating I was not fascinated at any point in this book but one of the moments (laughs) that did make me raise an eyebrow and go huh was watching the mental gymnastics of Jamie Lynn Spears working through like truly doing the work of forgiving herself for things that were absolutely beyond her control in this wild childhood she had but then undoing all that work and acting as though that was not also her older sister situation in in many many ways
2: there seems to be Literally no processing of the ways that Britney was kept in this perpetual state of childhood and of control.
1: Yeah, that, that suspended animation you talked about in how Britney writes her, her notes that she screenshots, I think that applies here too, right? Like Britney Spears got famous as a teenager. She stopped being a normal, you know, it's is not a novel thought, but the idea that like celebrities freeze in time at the age they were where they get famous, I think nowhere is that more evident than with Britney Spears because Britney was a kid and so was Jamie Lynn. And Britney has expressed frustration on social media in the past with how her sister benefited from her fame, but never really considered how those benefits came about, whose who's back they were built on.
2: I honestly, I understand where Britney's coming from. Because, I mean, so much of Britney's life has been spent under somebody else's control.
1: I feel pretty similarly, though. I, I also, I, oddly enough... Uh, I have some sympathy for Jamie Lynn Spears. You know, we talked about this. She's 10 years younger than Britney, so while Britney was getting famous and Jamie Lynn Spears was trying to get into acting, you know, Jamie Lynn was still this little preteen kid who couldn't and shouldn't be able to ex- assess a situation like this and realize all of the elements that went into, you know, their their success and their career. It's just too bad that the book doesn't take a moment to actually take a breath and make that deeper assessment. I feel like it should be possible to to sit in that waffly zone to say, you know, terrible things happened to Brittany and maybe I was complicit in them. Also, maybe I was a kid and uh, also some awful things happened to me and, and that hurt, too.
2: It seems like she wants too much to still have a good relationship with her family and with her parents to be able to fully process what exactly happened to her and her sister And so instead, we're left to watch this quasi-half-baked reckoning play out in podcast episodes and tweets and Instagram posts like it's an online soap opera when the plots have not been fully thought through. (laughs) The section I actually
1: found most damning in this whole book is a a short passage uh, where Jamie Lynn talks about getting into therapy. She writes about how much she hated being prescribed medication for her mental health and how ultimately she decided the medication wasn't for her, though she knows it works for some people, it didn't work for her, and that she just preferred talk therapy.
0: Talking about the anxiety was the most beneficial, and the pharmacological support, while effective for many, didn't work for me. Talking freely about my anxiety eased my way to communicate my needs and wants. I was just discovering how freeing it was to share my truth and my burdens. Great. Love that.
1: But I couldn't help but think back to when we did our whole show about Free Britney and we talked really in depth about that testimony Britney gave in court, the one that ultimately helped topple her conservatorship. Do you remember this? Britney said over and over and mm-hmm. over again how she wanted to go to therapy, how she was willing to go to therapy. But what she wanted was to do it on her terms and in a way and in a place that made her feel safe. I think the exact line was like, you know, I do know I need a little therapy. And she
2: sort of chuckled. I mean... I feel like one of the the base level prerequisites for a good therapeutic experience is feeling safe. And of course you wouldn't if you were being mandated by your parents who clearly don't seem to have your best interests in mind. And it's just so clear to me that Jamie Lynn has not dealt with that feeling. There's this part in the chapter you told me to skip forward to. Thank you for that note. Um, chapter 13, wh- my testimony. Where she's talking about being in quarantine with Britney and her mom and her family and how this one moment where Brittany was doing something, she said she blew up over some small detail and Jamie Lynn was trying to calm her down, but her mother was like, Hey, don't make Brittany anxious. Like, just forget about it. And Jamie Lynn was like, this just reminded me of all the times during my childhood where I wasn't allowed to be upset at my sister. And that moment to me I was just like, you just had this moment of realization a year ago. Maybe don't write this book yet. Because if you are just now processing that small thing, there seems like a lot that's going unrecognized.
1: (laughs) Or maybe don't write the book at all. I mean, this book feels so much like it was written because Jamie Lynn Spears' team thought it would be good to get out ahead of the press blowback post-conservatorship. But it really seems to only have made things worse for her.
2: I mean, frankly, we've landed where we almost always do when talking about Britney and the Spears family writ large, that in 2022, we should all just leave her alone. Jamie Lynn Spears had
1: a traumatic and unstable childhood in a lot of ways. Just like Britney Spears, there was suffering and strangeness and loneliness and anxiety.
2: Jamie Lynn Deserves to be able to have a life of her own, of her own choosing. But she doesn't seem to know that to do that, she needs to kind of leave her sister alone, or at least process their relationship in private.
1: Leave unto Brittany alone as you would have others alone unto you, something like that.
2: Ah, uh, yes. The Golden Brittany Rule.
1: All right. That is the end of the memoir and also the end of our show. Thank you so much for listening. We come out uh, twice a week, so be sure to check us out on Wednesdays too. Uh, Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating and review on Spotify, Apple. We're not opposed to Skywriters if you've got the budget. Uh, If you have ideas for the show, topics you think we should cover, slide into our DMs. We are at ICYMI underscore pod. We're also on email. I suddenly just became my father. We're on email. Uh, but that is ICYMI at Slate.com.
2: ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader. Our supervising producer is Derek John. We are edited by Forrest Wickman and Allegra Frank. Amber Smith is senior manager of podcast audience development. And Alicia Montgomery is executive producer of Slate podcasts. See online. Or on the set
1: of a Zoe 101 reboot, God willing hi i'm rachel hampton and i'm uh i am recording We you go again uh, i was like did you forget your name
2: sick of being upsold at gyms